Yeah, Chief Dog Officer looks like she's ready to leave, and I completely understand why. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to All Things Division 3 Soccer with Simple Coach and Jackie. I am Simple Coach. Chief Dog Officer is trying to figure out a nice comfortable spot to lay herself down for some sleep, which she does a lot of. Anyhow, for this episode of Injured Time, we are tackling a subject that really doesn't float my boat, but invariably it is something we talk about a lot, and I've been getting into Exeter scraps on promotion and relegation, something I cannot believe I will be discussing today on this injured time. Because it is something that, of all the things that we have to worry about, we have to worry about promotion and relegation. Of course, if you're a supporter of promotion and relegation, it will solve all ills. So, with that, let's roll with it. You know, I I, I jest, right? Because that's what I do. I make fun. I just the, the game itself is enough joy for me. The rest of it is just kind of noise. Kind of like this subject, this topic, promotion and relegation in the United States. I mentioned it. I don't find it particularly interesting. I don't. I think there are circumstances that warrant sort of the position we're in. And and I think I just sort of accept it for what it is. I will say that the debate that I see and that people who are for promotion and relegation are there to save U.S. soccer from itself, and if you're opposed, which I'm not sure anyone is really opposed to the idea of promotion relegation, but if you're not fully for it, you're responsible for the death of X number of clubs in the last history of the world. And so the idea that there's any nuance to it goes straight out the window, like like so much else. I don't have to go down politics or culture or anything like that um, in the rest of the world. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about that. But with that said, let me give it a good old-fashioned Mount Union effort. And just keep in mind, I'm not here to convince you that I'm right. I'm not here to say that promotion and relegation is wrong It's or it's the best thing since sliced bread. I'm just here to say, these are, this is what I think of it. You take for, take it for what it's worth. If, by all means, comment below. I'm an open book. Shoot me an email. I'm happy to have you. There are those folks who know that I've offered before. Happy to be on, on the platform. And, you know, let's debate it in public, right? I'm sure there's probably a lot more that we agree to than we disagree. So, but... So in the meantime, let's give it a whirl. Most everyone, and I mean most people, when you talk about the soccer pyramid, they kind of think of this dysfunctional hive of competing interests. You know, the, the idea of growing the game, I think, is more of a talking point and a PowerPoint nicety um, than actual, like, cooperation and commitment around the game. I think 
It's just the nature of the beast, right? A lot of self-serving interests. Some more self-serving than others, but nonetheless self-serving. Funny thing, it doesn't even... I'll refer you, I'll constantly refer you back to an article that I wrote that I posted on d3soccer.fans um, where I've outlined all this. But if you look at the actual pyramid, the actual soccer pyramid, it doesn't even look like a pyramid. It looks like, you know, some headless NASCAR driver or some such. Um, those folks who are sort of on the pro-rel side call it this cool name of a murder pyramid because they, according to it, the pyramid as it's structured today murders clubs that go, you know, um, bankrupt. And um, it it doesn't grow the game. It kills the game and it whatever. Um, I'll cover this later. Um, because I do think there's a, some interesting look at the history of club soccer, like it in, in the United States, whatever the forms, whether you like how it is or not, there's a history there and something that's worth reading about uh, rather than just posting pictures on Exeter. Uh, from my standpoint, though, like I'm a little bit more realistic about it. And I think there's a lot of nuance there and that nobody's getting murdered. No clubs fall out of existence because they were crushed by the evil empire that is major league soccer or u.s soccer or what have you um there are a lot of issues at st at at stake so you know because i'm a history guy i'm gonna start um with just sort of a little bit of background on promotion and relegation um, because I, I have this firm belief that if you're going to tackle the future, you have to understand the past and, you know, all these things you're taught in grad school, uh, when you're wanting to become a history professor, because it was cool to wear the patches on the elbows and the tweed jackets, um, or so I thought, um, and I will say the modern philosopher, um, Mater, told Lightning McQueen, doesn't need to know where he's going. I just need to know where I've been, right? So that's sort of my 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 approach to this. But if you're not familiar with promotion and relegation, which is a surprise, I guess, if you're a soccer fan, I'll just give you a quick definition pulled out of Wikipedia. Promotion and relegation is a process where teams can move up and down between multiple divisions arranged in a hierarchical structure based on their performance over a season. So if you have multiple levels in a league, if you win your league, you can move up to the next highest league. And if you are last place in your, in your higher league, you get dropped down to the to the other league and it and it's a self-moderating system right if you're not performing at a level you drop down to a level that maybe you perform at what you tend to see a lot of but um that model is called an open system right because it's open because anyone can theoretically participate i think that's bunk but theoretically anyone can participate um, 
the alternative to a system, an open system that has promotion and relegation is what people call a closed system or what they like to call a, a closed system where, right, you, you're a, you basically become an, for all intents and purposes, an investor of a league. They grant you a license to a club, um, to participate in the league and very traditional American sports model, right? NFL, major league baseball, NBA, NHL, all of these, it's the same model, right? You get accepted into, um, the, the league and you are given rights to a territory to build your team. You're still responsible for financing and doing all that sort of stuff, meeting certain qualifications. But in the event that you lose or you end up very poorly, you're not going anywhere, right? You're staying within that franchise. There's a whole slew of economic reasons why that's the case. I'm not going to belabor those. But bottom line, if you're going to pay $50 million for a team and you're a person who cares like you don't want to lose at least the 50 million dollars so relegation is something that you're afraid of right just from an economic standpoint i'm not arguing right or wrong here so um I, yeah I, and i'm not gonna right you call them franchises but the truth is they're clubs they're they right the in major league soccer in particular since i'll focus most of my attention there and any of the USL teams, and no, they're all clubs, right? They they have an identity, and they try to tap into their community. And there's supporters that are integral to the success of that team that go beyond that. And there's a um, an attachment, and all these things that sort of would define it, as far as I'm concerned, as a club. And they're not just some McDonald's franchise that everyone looks the same, right? Um, but as I mentioned, I like to go back in history, and so in the the notion of promotion and relegation at the professional level in the United States, there is no history. There is no, there has never been a first division professional league in the history of the United States and Canada um, that has ever remotely come close to being an open system with promotion and relegation. Right or wrong, it's never how we have operated at this level ever, ever. And there might be deep-seated reasons for that. I don't, I quite frankly, I haven't dove, dived deep enough into this, but it is something that um, if I could find the time that I would, I would look into, I'm sure there are historical reasons for it. I'm sure there's precedence of how sports formed professional sports you know formed in the 20s and the 30s and then post world war ii and what those looked like and i'm sure there's a real good reason for that but now that's not to say that there is not promotion and relegation in places right i mean if you want to judge the cosmopolitan league which i happened to play in at one point as a shining example of promotion and relegation, well then, know that the Cosmopolitan League are a bunch of city teams, largely in the New York, North New Jersey area, right? There's probably money under the table, and there's some promotion and relegation, but is that the professional environment we're talking about? I am not so sure. Um, 
And I will say, to co- the Cosmopolitan League's credit, they've been around for like 90 plus years. So, 100 years. So, right? That's that's pretty remarkable. So, um, so yeah. So, I, I mentioned this earlier, and it's something that I really find it amusing again is is that there's the you're either pro rel or for some reason all of a sudden you just are opposed to uh, promotion and relegation and you just hate it right and so i just want to be very clear just because just because i think it's important to say these things i love promotion and relegation i love the idea that a team can scrap its way up through different levels of a league and manage to make its way up. I love the notion of a Wrexham, you know, making its way to back to the professional, to to a professional fourth division or whatever they're aiming for. Right? I I, I dig all that. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I know. Who would have thought? Right? I I seem. I think many people that I banter back and forth think i'm i'm opposed to it i'm i'm not i wish i wish with the snap of my finger that we could make it happen i just don't i think we have a lot more pressing issues and we'll we'll touch on those and and just from a personal perspective um i mean this dates me you know in the early early 90s like i i tried out for a team that was fighting for promotion and then a team that was um fighting for survival right trying to stay up and it it has a material impact on sort of the mood right like the excitement the tension the anxiety is really palpable like and and everyone at the club is driven for this stuff so i get it i get i get it I get it. But that was in Spain. Right? And you can probably have the same experience in France and England and or uh, yeah, France, England, Italy, Germany, you name it. But unfortunately, like it or not, in the United States, it's not the way we've been going for the last 100 plus years, right? We have a different set of challenges a whole different tradition that's riddled with battles and contradictions and this, you know, fundamental characteristic trait of, of independence that make governing and coordinating soccer leagues across this country nearly impossible. But alas, here we are. Here we are. We're seemingly from any league structures, right? Like, so how is how is a league formed and whatever? Like, if it has promotion or relegation, you know, determines whether or not you support teams or the sport, right? But I will say, in my mind, in my small mind about such things, that's progress. That is a sign of progress. It's a sign of progress to me that there are people who are willing to not watch Major League Soccer, B, 
because or because it doesn't have promotion and relegation. Right? That to me is a sign of progress. And I mean it's a sign of progress from the days. And I'm I'm dating myself again, but there are folks out there who still remember, right, where some of us have to become hack journalists to support the league, the sport, the teams, because the real journalists weren't coming to watch any games. And then when our only outlet, our literal only outlet, was something called BigSoccer.com, which still exists, right? And that without BigSoccer.com, we wouldn't know how many people were so into the sport, right? Or when fans invited, flew halfway across the country to invite a journalist to go watch a Chicago Fire game because... I figured, why not invite the guy if he's going to make write a bad editorial about the Chicago Fire that he might as well go see a game. Right. And we didn't care. Did not care if it was, you want to call it a franchise or it was a club or closed open. None of us cared. What we cared about was the fact that we had a soccer league that maybe, maybe finally we we can hit and become like other soccer nations and have a league of our own, right? Because at the time, going way back when, it was about American players and being an investment into American players. It's, it's a topic for a different day. Um, but, right, that's why we wanted it to succeed. Because some of us grew up beforehand, before 1996, and it was a veritable wasteland. I will just say, anybody who's watched soccer made in Germany knows what I'm talking about. All right? There was no European Cup finals, the predecessor to the Champions League. It's very hard to find uh, World Cup games. Right? If you labored in the APSL and NPSL, you were lucky to get local coverage. Forget about the being in the New York Times or some other major newspaper. And that's where you had national team players playing. San Francisco Bayhawks. Right? So, now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty because this is where I think there's a fundamental issue, which is where I start to diverge, where I'm like, pro-rel, like, that's the least of our issues, Right? If you look back 30 years, it's undeniable and I'm I'm not even it's not even debatable although I would debate it. Major League Soccer is by far the most successful soccer league we've had in the United States in the history of the United States. Like it or not. Like it or not. And this the the growing success of soccer and in particular youth soccer as a business Professional soccer has always been a dicey proposition. As advocates of promotion and relegation, and this is their stuff, are quick to remind anyone who listens, the lack of promotion and relegation and money, which is part of this, which we'll talk about, is responsible for the untimely deaths of 162 clubs or franchises, whatever you want to call them, in, since 1996. Now, the funny thing about that is, you know, I'm a, I just, this is the stuff I get 
I hold on to and I'm like, oh, what does that mean? That Major League Soccer killed 160 clubs? And, you know, I'm a simple guy that way, and hence the name. So, you know, I... I actually started to look at why clubs fail in the United States. Why the 162 now, or 63, I think it is, clubs fail in the United States. Why they've failed since 1996. And of the 162, I am willing to concede, although I can dis- I could argue these to each its own. There are only seven, seven clubs in in. U.S. soccer history, that you can maybe make an argument that they were murdered by Major League Soccer or U.S. soccer, right? Colorado, Foxes, Columbus, Zogs, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, Miami FC, Rio Grande, Rio Grande Valley, FC Toro, San Diego Loyal, San Jose Hawks, San Francisco Bay Blackhawks, and the Utah Blitz. I'm willing to concede that Major League Soccer had a negative impact on those clubs. Do I think they murdered them? No. But whatever. I'm not going to go down that road. I, I would say that... I, I would... I, I would I would say, even in that list, it's sketchy. Because, you know, and I thought Miami FC still lives. And, you know, I think Rio Grande, everybody likes to talk about them. But I think they weren't relevant. I don't think people showed up at the gate where it matters, where it matters big time. So let me talk about this notion of relevance because I think this is our prime issue about soccer, and it's a painful one I don't like to admit to. I think the sad truth about U.S. soccer, and, and I'm knee-deep in it, so it's hard for me to, 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 to see beyond it, it, is that the reason why... A majority, 160 clubs collapsed in since 1996 is because of relevance, right? I think over half of them were ir- irrelevant to their communities, right? And, you know, 100 people would show up to games. You can't, that's not sustainable for a whole host of economic reasons. Number one, no one's, no one's paying at the gate, right? And if we're talking about a professional environment, truth of the matter is is that a lot of these clubs that failed were so far below where they needed to be from an from a um, an attendance perspective that it it, it it's no wonder they collapsed, right? So, and I talk about irrelevance because I think it like. Th- there's a number of reasons, but irrelevance is the biggest one, right? There's so going back to D three soccer fans posted the article injured time. Um, you'll see it. So I'll put a link somewhere. You can go to the main page, and in there, there's a link to the data I collected on all these clubs, on the reasons why they failed. They're little. It's like club reason why they failed, and you just and you just sort of do a distribution. Okay, who? What are the reasons why most clubs failed? And again, I go back to 
If you just look at a chart in that article and you look, don't even look at the data, you will find out that most, um, most prof, quote unquote professional U.S. soccer clubs that have failed is because they've been irrelevant. And part of that is because attendance is such a big deal, right? U.S. soccer, the success of clubs is going to ultimately rely on fans who show up at the stadium. And if they don't, right, good luck. You need big pockets. And I think that's the formula that MLS figured out. And then you back into, okay, where are we at? Oh, maybe we could build a stadium or two. And then look how our economics improve. We build the stadium. Which is, again, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But the reality is that it takes two things in, in soccer to succeed in the United States. Money and fans. And, right, without the fans, there is no revenue for a team. There's minimal revenues, right? And and fans pay to, to watch a game. There's not going to be any TV out in, on Rhode Island, um, or there's not going to be ESPN at a New Jersey Stallions game. Just doesn't happen, right? So you rely on getting fans to to support the club, right? And this is where I breaked completely with the promotion and relegation guys because the first thing they say is, "Well, that's because we don't have a system of solidarity payments and and parachute payments." Now, if you don't know, parachute payments, at least in the context of the Premier League, because that's what everybody looks at, is look at the Premier League. Why can't we be like the Premier League? It refers to payments made to teams that are relegated. And it's usually in the amount of about half of what the club would receive from being an EPL team from the TV contracts. So you're talking at that level and the money they make on TV contracts in England, I mean, it could be a hundred, you know, 50 to a hundred million dollars a year, like significant, right? And that's sort of meant to temporarily minimize the shock of being relegated, right? You can't pay players as much as you did in the EPA, in the Premier League. You can't pay staff. You can't have as many staff. You have to, right? There's a lot of different things. Fans might not even show up to the degree that they would in the EPL. Solidarity payments are payments to clubs uh, when a player is transferred or traded from one team to another, right? And that money is paid to the club that invested and trained the player, and so theoretically, if a player goes from FC Delco and signs with the Philadelphia Union, the idea is that, you know, Delco spent five years training and developing this player, and they should be receiving some of the compensation that they get, um, that, that the player gets. Or the club, Philadelphia Union, should pay Delco some amount of money to reward them for developing the player. Now, they all have merit. I'm not just going to – it's a very different way of working things there. And I would actually argue you want to start somewhere, and I talk a little bit about it, is start with the notion of making solidarity payments, which come to find out that MLS in its own way is doing something like that with their MLS Next Pro teams. Um, 
well, I don't know enough there, but it's the same notion, right? Like if you're an MLX Next Pro, you develop a player and they sign with a MLS team, there should be some sort of compensation that goes back to the club, right? To reward them for developing the player, right? But the truth of the matter is that th these become, re consider them just revenue streams of s to help these clubs survive, right? That's that's the notion, which is why it's such a big deal about when they talk about promotion and relegation. You can't have a promotion and relegation conversation without parachute payments and solidarity payments because otherwise there's First of all, we don't even have a really strong functional system of teams that have been around and have fans and do all those things that we forget about. Um, but we 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 also don't have a history or a system of doing parachute payments and who pays and how do you get that money and all that stuff. I know they say they have the answers. Good luck with that. All right. So. Like I mentioned, to me, it's the starting point is the solidarity pants. I'm not going to belabor that. I would suggest, and I'll see if I can't post somewhere there's an MLS article that just talks about it briefly. But I'm like, wow, that's the opening door, right? That's the start. And I think I think that's important. So, you know, the interesting thing is that youth soccer, so the youth clubs in, in the United States, don't need the help. If you're going to pick a soccer business to get into, get into youth soccer because they could be, you know, money machines. We talk about all the pay to play, right? It's, <laughs> I find this ironic, right? Like, hey, promotion and relegation, solidarity payments, parachute payments. Great. So you're taking money from somewhere and distributing amongst people. But then you the, the where clubs make the most money, their youth soccer academy stuff. Oh, you want to change that too because you can't stand pay to play. That's a bad thing, right? But as of right now in the United States, pay to play is um, is the reality. So youth clubs make a lot of money, right? They 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 just do. They're you know think about it. You can, clubs have I've seen thousand kids. They're each paying two thousand dollars just for training. And think of that, right? Like that's that's. You're, you're talking serious money. Um, it, you know, going back as far as 1992, though, you know, it, in the Premier League, there's been some sort of structure um, by which first division clubs, Premier League, shared revenue with the l lower division. And then in 2006, they threw in the um, parachute payments. Right, which again to help there's a lot that gets lost in relegation a lot right there's requirements in the again premier league where your club needs to expand and you have to have so many people that do this and do that and those are the first things to go so you got to lay off all these people right and so there's that system so in the modern age in the premier league these payments have exceeded 300 million dollars in a given year right and that's that ex that's because there's a high cost of doing business like i mentioned um you know and it gives them the idea is that if they stay relegated for over two years at least they have two years of sort of how to figure things out right and and again i just go back that's what proponents for pro rel say that needs to be done and it'll, the parachute payments will make up for being relegated 
And while I appreciate the zeal with which they bring their arguments to bear, I, I don't see, I don't see, I, I don't subscribe to the idea that our soccer problems are the result of this key element, right? Of there's no parachute payments or there's no solidarity payments. I think that's a ruse. Right? I think that's wishful thinking. And I think that's a little bit of right being stuck in Exeter and your soccer buddies that you talk to via text every day and you think you're a lot stronger and a lot realer than you are. And it hurts me to say that, right? Because I've been so involved knee-deep in this game for so long. But it is a bitter pill to swallow if you're here in the United States. And that, you know, wishing something to be true and something and the reality of, of what it is are two different things. And and I go back to fans, right? For the long-term viability of any club at any level, forget the economics. If it is a soccer, a professional soccer club where players are getting paid, there is one metric that matters above all else, and that's attendance, and those are fans. Excluding Major League Soccer, and maybe USL, but I doubt it. Excluding Major League Soccer, everyone else has to rely on attendance. There's no, again, excluding Major League Soccer, there's no real sponsorship, no real TV money, nothing that is a guaranteed revenue stream to fill the a club's coffers. It's about hustling every day to sell tickets. And so when I look at the 162 teams that have folded since 1992, their irrelevance or lack of paying fans is a much larger issue than promotion and relegation, right? Like if you don't have, what what's more important, the fact that you can get promoted, but if you have an empty stadium, you get promoted or you get relegated and you have nobody showing up, well, what are you expecting? Somebody to pay a check to be sent every year? I'm not sure that that is a better alternative, right? I, I First of all, I just think it's maybe smart money after bad, you know, good money after bad. I don't know. You know, to me, parachute payments and solidarity payments is just side talk, right? You know, Flower City Union just won um, just won their USL championship or whatever, right? They literally, and then they just announced that they were going on hiatus and, and looked for him as, a, as an amateur club. That wasn't because they didn't receive solidarity payments. They might not have even qualified. Nor was it because Rochester doesn't have a soccer tradition. It wasn't even because they lacked a stadium, which I haven't even d- dived, dove, dove into. It had... It had to do with the fact that in spite of everything they had going for them, in spite of everything, they only drew an average of 600 fans a game. 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, you could do the math. It's just 
probably cost that much money to turn on the lights for a night game, right? Like, you, you know, what's, what's interesting to me and the point that gets missed, and it gets not missed, but it's willfully not being considered, right? I, I mentioned Flower City. Champions, they average 600 people a game. Average might be a little bit less, 500s in the two years. Two years that they, they were sort of in existence. Beautiful logo, all that kind of stuff. To provide you with some context, League Two in England, right? So Premier League Championship or whatever that's second, um, League One, League Two. So it's the fourth division effectively. They averaged right per team 6000 people 6000 fans per game at the same time that in our third division or whatever that level is that we want to call it today flower city averaged 600 and you could see there's a chart I'm not making this up there's a chart that has these these statistics in in the premier league and then you'll see what I mean, why I think the critical issue isn't solidarity payments, isn't parachute payments, it's fans, or lack thereof. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a bet. I would bet you that if Flower City averaged 5,791 fans a game, we wouldn't be talking about them moving to amateur status. So I know I've said it before. If you look at all the clubs, the there are well, less than half. So 65, 70 of these clubs are irrelevant. And their number one failure is because of lack of fans. It's not the parachute payments. It's not promotion and relegation. It's that nobody cares. The reality is... The higher up the pyramid or whatever we want to call it, uh, the higher up the ladder you go, the more fans you need to buy tickets. And I would even argue that even today it is still critical for Major League Soccer, the number of fans that show up in the in the stadium. I, I've been removed, so I, I haven't had these conversations with Major League Soccer or anyone there. They only send me checks so I can shill for them. Um, that's a joke. Right, but I, I think it still remains a very, very important metric. And I think you look at somebody. Don't don't think that people didn't notice. Right, you've signed the right guys. Your attendance goes way up. Look at Miami. All right, they were averaging twelve thousand before Messi shows up, and next thing you know, they're selling out their little stadium. Right. So, right, th this is where I sort of wonder. I I'm not sure any of these pa parachute payments or solidarity, any of that would save some of these clubs from irrelevance, right? It would be sending money, writing a check for a team that nobody cares about in the middle of nowhere that nobody even knows exists, Right. And I'm not sure we want to be in the business of supporting these clubs. Look, you have in the English Premier League, different model, different culture, different experience. 
you know, they have a system by which they can, a team can, you know, um, go into administration. They clean the books out. And on the other end is a hollowed out club with a new owner, but they get to keep the badge. Right? It's a different model. But they also have communities that Wrexham has 10,000, 12,000 people show up to games, whatever the number is. Right? We don't. We have 600 to our championship team. You know, I'm not sure we want to be interested. I think we want long-term sustained clubs. But I don't think doing it this way is the right way. If you want to, if you, if, 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 if we want to get to promotion and relegation, how do you drive fans to these teams? How do you make Flower City have 6,000 people attend? Right? And I will just show you, because it just came out today as of this recording that I noticed. Uh, Oklahoma City Council just approved redoing or building some sort of stadium as part of some redevelopment project for 8,000 people. And the Oklahoma City Energy FC, Energy FC, I think, is going to be the prime tenant there. But guess what? They're going into an 8,000-seat stadium. I think I looked. They average about 5,000 fans per game. That, to me, not knowing anything, is a team worth promoting. And can you sell it to the 8,000? Can you get 8,000 people average there and make it meaningful? Make it relevant to that to Oklahoma City. I think that's the bigger deal. I think, before we talk about all this other stuff, that's the issue we have to address. I rambled. Wasn't my plan. I apologize. But this one, just sort of, I go off on all these tangents, like I usually do, undisciplined mind. Uh, Like I mentioned, d3soccer.fans, you'll see this article that I wrote that is the basis for this. There's a link to data that shows you all those clubs. It's not my information, the clubs that, and I took the time to go to each one to find out what their history is and why they they died. And there's the spreadsheet is a little bit bigger, so if you actually want the spreadsheet, feel free to email. I happily send it to you. It's my soccer spreadsheet, so there's a lot of information. Like, wow, the U.S. Open Cup attendance history in the championships and what that's looked like over the years. And lo and behold, for as much grief as it gets, you know, MLS is really good for the U.S. Open Cup. from an attendance perspective but another time anyhow thanks for tuning in today if you have any other thoughts agree disagree by all means down below i'll post this on the d3 soccer.fans community boards that are there so if you want to chime in somewhere that will be the case like I said, check out the article um, with that has a lot of the information that I showed or whatever. So on that, hope we'll talk soon.